What's up, guys? This is Miles Markowitz. And this is Brad Thomas. Here to give you the best sports insights to beat your book. You only need to ask one question. What's the spread? In What's the Spread? It is a college football playoff championship game edition. Happy New Year to everybody. Miles on Sports, Mr. Brad Thomas. Plenty to talk about. We will get into the national championship. We will get into our picks. But, man, we have a lot to talk about from possibly the greatest college football playoff semis ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, talk about, like, no. there was at no point where I was saying – None of these teams deserve to be in. Uh, like it, they were quality games, and for so long, for so many years, we had to worry about the blowouts. Like there was always one massive blow, and we hated it. But these right. games were great, and uh, man, it's like crazy to think that like college football season is almost over. But even like the New Year's Six Bowls provided great entertainment for college football lovers. Yeah, it really got me excited about the 12-team playoff, the expansion, you know, seeing these teams in the New Year's Six battle it out. Because, Brad, we saw a lot of good teams. Uh, Penn State looked really good. Uh, yeah. You know, I, you know, you could, you could, I mean, Tulane looked really good. Who, who would have been in the 12-team playoff? They, they had a good showing. They proved they were a really good team. Tennessee looked really good. So, you know, let's LSU. Let's there. Like, yeah. there's a lot of teams who looked really good. Also, a lot of teams who looked really good who are bringing back a ton of talent. Right. So, you know, in, in this new world that we're living in, where whereas, you know, next year we still got to roll with the 14 playoff for one more year. But, man, imagine if we had a 12-team playoff this year and then going into next year looking forward to another one. That's the reality that we're going to have. I mean, expansion yeah. is going to do a lot for the game. My first takeaway from the semis was, yes, to your point, all four teams deserve to be in. The committee got it right. Yeah. You could argue, uh, you know, look at how good Tennessee looked. Look at how good Alabama looked. But listen, we, I think we had the best four teams in the country this year in that playoff. And it turned yeah. out, which my hope when Ohio State got boat raced by Michigan, my hope was, okay, but maybe Ohio State and Michigan are two of the best four teams. I think they proved that. Even though they both came away with losses, they both went in and gave everything they had and improved uh, that that they belong, especially Ohio State. How about that Peach Bowl? You and I, I had think we had a great time. Well, we had great a great seats. time. We got great seats, great great action. But listen, you know what? What's crazy? What I actually think, and I don't say this too often because normally when we talk about a top four, it's the top four and then like a steep drop off. We could have pr probably really been like it's top one, and then like two through seven are all two B. 2C, 2E, like that's how crazy good the, the parody was. And a lot of it has to do with the transfer portal. Like, you know, people don't want to say it, but it is. I mean, it's changing things, right? Because usually there's only one or two teams that could win the title. This year, if we had a 12-team playoff, Tennessee could have made noise in that playoff. Chaos. Bama could have made noise in that playoff. Penn State, State. would have made a lot of noise in that playoff. Uh, you know, you've, you've got teams that were ready to go in and do battle and – Ohio State proved that we did not have one great team this year. Georgia was vulnerable. We yep. knew they were vulnerable this year. Hoped they were vulnerable, at least as Ohio State fans. Um, <laughs> there was there was definitely weaknesses there where we do not have a clear best team this year. There were a lot of really good teams this year. So an expanded playoff in a year like this would have benefited a lot of those schools. 
uh, because I think it would have given us a lot of good games and, and teams would have had a chance that Ohio State got. Because Ohio yeah. State got their second chance. Others did not. You know, it's but, kind of funny. Like, Ohio State got their chance. TCU even got their second chance because they lost in their championship yeah, game. Right. And you, you even though Ohio State lost, like, both of you guys made the most of the opportunity. Like, neither of you guys sat there and got boat raced in your, in your semifinal game. And holy crap, man. What – what a treat we absolutely have. Like just thinking back to it, like the game was so good. The props were so good. Like the atmosphere was so good. Like everything was so great. You know, as, as we preview Georgia and TCU, I kind of want to do it at the same time as we look back on the semifinal games and our takeaways, because I want to start with Georgia. And this dates back to last year uh, in their two games against Alabama. I think what a lot of teams are not recognizing is Georgia is beatable, folks. They have a glaring weakness in their defensive philosophy, and it's in the secondary. They do not have elite playmakers that can match up with elite wide receivers. Yeah. And if you use them the right way, that is where their weakness lies. Bama gave that blueprint in the SEC championship game last year. Georgia had absolutely no answer, no answer. For Jamison Williams and John Mechie, that was it. That was all it took, right, was that big matchup. And then into the national championship, they already were down John right. Mechie. Yeah. Then they lost Jamison. And, and listen, I'm I'm not on the side of, well, if that doesn't happen, Bama wins the national title. I don't know. I don't it's know just a what game Right. But what I can tell you is it's an absolute game changer because there is a glaring weakness on that Georgia defense. They are not – even last year, right? They were the most historically dominant defense we've ever seen in college football. But then they played Alabama in the SEC championship game and got absolutely blasted because yeah. they actually played somebody that had some semblance of an offense. Ohio State goes in here. They open as seven-point dogs. Underdogs. I don't ever want to hear dogs again. Underdogs. <laughs> I never want to hear barking ever again. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> as seven-point underdogs in I said, listen, go in and with your strength, right? You and I were both on Ohio State with the points. They easily covered. Not only did they cover, they should have won the damn game. But they went in there with an offensive philosophy of, we have the deepest wide receiver room in the country. So that's what we're going to use. And I said, go in there with Marvin. I even said it during the game, right? Once we started throwing touchdowns to Marvin Harrison, I knew it, th- that we were in it. I yeah. knew that we had him on the ropes. Um, I want to go back to their stats real quick. Ibuka. Emeka Ibuka, eight catches, 112 yards, and a touchdown as the number two receiver. Harrison had five catches for 106 yards and two touchdowns. Two touchdowns. Fleming as our third string, five catches for 71 yards. Xavier Johnson, who is technically our fifth string wide receiver and in the game, our second string running back, he had three catches for 43 yards and a touchdown. Kirby Smart in that defense had no answer for that offensive game plan, and it almost worked. But what worries me and what should worry the rest of college football is, it still wasn't enough. Georgia still found a way to win the game because that's what champions do. Yeah. I would say Georgia, as an unbiased uh, observer, um, you know, I was rooting for Ohio State, but, you know, I think me rooting in how much you love Ohio State is vastly different. Um, you bleed Buckeye blue. I mean, Buckeye red. Whoops. <laughs> Wrong color. <laughs> that one slipped out. And uh, But Georgia felt inevitable. Like, they felt like a team they did. that was just so good that even not even not even to stop 
your 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 quarterback from running, stop your wide receivers from going off. They felt inevitable. I, I was describing it to someone when I was watching the game where Ohio State played a really good game. You know, there were a couple of decisions that I think changed the game for Ohio State, but it just felt like every single time Ohio State had Georgia on the ropes, Georgia was finding a way to stay in the game and stay punching back. Not just staying in the game, but punching back despite Ohio State just throwing haymaker after haymaker. They felt inevitable. I will never forget this. We are sitting inside the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and I'm just, you know, yapping. I've been having some adult waters, you know. I'm yapping, and I'm talking about why I think Ohio State's going to eat, why I think Marvin Harris is going to eat. And I said a lot of it has to do with the lack of pressure Georgia gets on the quarterback. Georgia fans, you'll see. You'll see. And we we didn't see anything. I think this is going to set up for a fun game with TCU because since – uh, Smith has gone down. The pressure has sucked, and I've said this week in and week out. That it leaves you very vulnerable. Like, like you, you think that Marvin Harrison's the only wide receiver in this country. You think Abuka is the only wide receiver. Fleming's the only wide receiver in this country that's going to be able to eat. There's a guy by the name of Quentin Johnson who I think is the best draft eligible wide receiver in college football that's going to be able to feast in this game. Um, you know. I was just kind of a little upset, you know, as a guy pulling for Ohio State, the decision-making on that final drive, um, I felt like it was just like, I know you trust your kicker, but I I felt like we were trusting him for a pretty deep kick. Um, And I wanted to get to the 20, and that's just me selfishly as a guy who wanted to see my boys' team in the national championship and him have a smile on his face at the end of the night. But, man, if Ohio State can mess around and and have one of these guys – in the in the QB room, step up like CJ Stroud did when his name was called. You know they're not going anywhere. Uh, a lot of underclassmen on that that uh, Ohio State team. Uh, you guys need to keep Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, from going to USC. But that game proved that like Ohio State can compete with the best team in the country. Georgia, I mean, Georgia's lost one game in their last thirty three games. So like the fact that it was down to the wire for Ohio State team who. I'd say 80% of the country was talking trash about on Twitter saying they didn't deserve a shot because they got boat raced by Michigan. Ohio state held their own and they proved that they belong and they deserve that spot. Yeah. I, I really believe that too. Uh, you know, Marvin Harrison literally got knocked out of the game. I mean, literally knocked out of the game. Uh, yeah. Whether or not that was targeting, I don't really want to get into, you know, where I stand on that as an Ohio state fan. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is after we lost Marvin Harrison, the play calling had to change, obviously it did. because the entire game plan was revolved around Marvin Harrison and it was working. But yeah. as soon as we lost that piece, especially on that final drive, especially on that final drive, um, we lost our edge, our advantage. Marvin Harrison, I think proved that he, he might be the best player in college football. And going into next year, he might be the best player in college football because you saw the impact he made. Yes, C.J. Stroud played the best game of his life. I do not want that to go unnoticed. That was the C.J. Stroud I had been looking for for two years. And listen, better late than never. I'm glad I finally got him because I knew he had it in him. He left everything out on that field. Everything. He belonged. But Marvin Harrison was the X factor in that game. And when he got knocked out, that's when there was trouble. Uh, 
But man, I mean, obviously took them to the wire. So let's let's move over uh, to TCU in that Oof. game against Michigan. TCU seven man. and a half point underdogs in that game. You and I were both on Michigan, as was most of the country. Didn't work out I, that way. I don't even know what to say, Miles. Like, I just felt like I was so wrong. I mean, I did absolutely smash McCarthy's rushing over. Thank God. But I was on Michigan first half. I was on Michigan spread. And week in and week out, we talk about TCU not belonging. TCU, like like the stats do, do say it, but when you have the right culture, you have the right pieces, you, you have a good team. Like you don't need the stats to be screaming that says they're number one in, in EPA. They're number one in net scoring. They're number one in FEI, like, these analytics guys, I'll consider myself an analytics guy too when it comes to betting props, but we we salivate over these numbers. Like, oh my God, look at this team on paper. They're so good on paper. And we've never said that about TCU, not in one game. And this is me owning up to the all the trash that I've talked, all this smack that I am putting back inside my mouth. They play darn good football. The game is won on the field, not on the stat sheet. Um, even when Kendra Miller went down, they still played great. It's like they were inevitable. They were, and I use that word again because I, I it's like not that I thought they were going to win the entire game. I just thought they were never going to give up. I felt for Michigan. Like I think that at no point did I say, Miles, we should live bet Michigan. I don't think that those words even remotely came out of my mouth. And now we think about it, it's just like TCU the team who had to come back from behind so many times has a chance to do something that hasn't been done since 1990. That has won a national championship after being unranked in the preseason TCU, the team who prior to the season, wasn't getting these rock star portal guys, these rock star recruits. Life's going to change for TCU. Now they're like, they have a chance to be the Kings of the, of, of the big 12. Like, I've already looked at their portal stuff. Like they're getting good wide receivers, good running backs coming in. Like people want to play in this system. They're going to score a lot of points year in and year out now. So good coaching does good coaching change, man. TCU hats off. Yeah. I mean, they are uh, absolutely. I mean, TCU is not just a Cinderella story right now. They feel like a Cinderella program. Like, like their program, you know, has the glass slipper. It's, they feel like a team of destiny. They, they, yeah. they believe in themselves. They, I really want everybody to understand how difficult it is to win a college football playoff game. We have My talked God. about this, Brad, for years. Winning a college football playoff game is the mecca right now of college football talent, competition. I didn't think TCU had a shot in this game because eventually – Talent will catch up to you. That's yep. what we've been told by what we've seen on the field. If you go back to all of our college football national championship games, who are the only teams to play for a national title? Clemson, Ohio State, Bama, Georgia, LSU. As long as I'm not missing any. To play for a national championship, yeah. it's been like those five programs because of talent. Because it's that difficult to win a semifinal game. I've talked about this in, a, in the past as an Ohio State fan. Winning a semifinal game feels like a national championship. Yep. Um, 
because it's so difficult to do. Uh, you know, I, obviously, you then want to finish the job, and, yeah. and you want to take it home and win the national title. But what TC is doing right now is absolutely unprecedented. I think it says two things. First of all, uh, for the expansion and for the 12 team playoff, I think it's proving why we needed that because I think it gives us the opportunity to see more TCUs, to see yeah. more programs like this showcase their abilities at the end of the year when they've actually put together a really good team. And number two, it shows that the respect we had for this program is warranted. You go back to years of what's the spread, nobody had bigger respect for Gary Patterson and his program yeah. than Miles and Brad. He was one of our favorite coaches year in and year out. And I got to hand it to him. It was a tough decision to move on from him. But what Sonny Dykes has done here, uh, very similar to what Lincoln Riley did at USC, right? He came in, it completely changed the program. Uh, obviously, Lincoln Riley didn't make the playoff, but he came in and immediately made them relevant. You can go yeah. from a five-win team for, from, from a four-win team and bounce back like this overnight uh, yeah. because of what we're seeing. In the transfer I, portal, NIL. I was just like, you know, I was thinking, I was like, how does TCU repeat the success? I do think TCU loses three games next year, two games next year, just because – it's hard when you have five games that you have a post game win expectancy of fifty percent to 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 win that many coin flips, but man, they've already started doing it in the portal. Like they, this success is repeatable. Um, you know, God, TCU. I, I'm at lost words. Uh, I've been, I, I've been like just cashing player props on that team. Um, I haven't bet on them all season, but player props have been fun. So Georgia TCU, Georgia favored by 12 and a half. I think this opened at around 13 and a half, somewhere around that number. Uh, what are we going to see? What are we going to see in this game? I uh, I'm actually think it's going to be pretty close. Uh, if I were to, I'm not going to actually physically bet on the side. I do think TCU covers the number. Um, I think we see this a lot close. TCU is one of the top um, most explosive teams in the country. Problem is they're going against the expo most explosive team in Georgia. Georgia's number one in college football in yards per play. TCU's number six. But the difference is only like 0.3. Uh, I think one's like 6.7. The other one's like 6.4 yards per play. But TCU plays very good explosive football on the offense. And you know who stepped up bigger than anyone else? Max Duggan. I think Max Duggan throws for a ton of yards like CJ Stroud did. And I think that Georgia, no matter – how much game planning Kirby Smart does, I think they're going to use the exact same game plan that Ohio State did. They're going to move the pocket, let the quarterback use his legs, pick up first. That way, if Georgia wants to sit back deep, that's a free first. And then they're going to exploit them with their best wide receiver. Ohio State did it with Marvin Harrison. TCU is going to do it with Quentin Johnson. Johnson, excuse me. And when you look at the numbers, like there's no number that I'm looking at on this chart that makes me afraid of what TCU's of what TCU is running up and up against. Right. Like, yeah. It, it, like you'll see a number like offensive success rate. TCU is 83rd in the country. I mean, offensive pass success rate, but we know Mac Doug is not the guy who's going to go throw for 350 in a shootout. He's if this is a shootout, Max Duggan's going to have 280 yards and he's going to run for another 70 to hundred. He's going to just be a make plays with what he's got available to him. 
Um, TCU, TCU, I will say this, TCU four and no against the spread in their last four non-conference games. What do you think is going to happen, Miles? Yeah, so, you know, uh, similar to you, I don't know if I'm actually going to put money on a side here. It's a tough spread in a national championship game. Uh, a lot of unknowns. But for me, it's going to come down to talent. Uh, it's the 15th game of the season. Now, there is a reason that TCU has made it this far. Uh, they're a good team. Uh, and that game against Michigan was absolutely no fluke. They went in there and really uh, made Michigan play their game, Yeah. Uh, especially with those pick sixes with J.J. McCarthy, who, keep in mind, J.J. McCarthy had only turned the ball over three times all season, and then he throws two pick sixes in that game, something Ohio State wasn't able to figure out. TCU was. Stage wasn't too big for them there. Uh, I think the stage will be a little too big for them here. I'm not saying they get blown out of the water here, but I think the Georgia depth is going to show up in the third and fourth quarter. Uh, it's too much. So I'm on Georgia here, minus 12 and a half. Just looking at the talent on the roster, which you can complain and you can throw things at me for doing that. I understand that the game is played on the field. Yeah. But Georgia is coming into this game with 68 blue chip recruits on their roster. 15 of them are former five-star players. TCU has 17 blue chip recruits on their roster. I don't know how they've gotten this far. I will tell you that Michigan doesn't really recruit all that well either. Michigan only really comes in with top 20 classes here or there. TCU has not played a team like this. They have not played a Georgia, not in the big 12, not really in a very long time as a program. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they're scared. TCU's got no fear. They're going to come in and give them a game, but I'm going to take Georgia in this one. Maybe it's out of anger. Maybe I'm just upset that Ohio State's not in this spot. I don't know. Uh, I hope it's a close game. I hope TCU holds their own. I don't think they will. I just – I think Georgia is just too damn talented. And this is going to bring me to my final point Okay. that I want to talk about of the podcast is looking over recruiting. Don't forget that, yes, TCU has made this run – more importantly, they've proven it's possible, and that's important. You could argue that Cincinnati did that, but then Cincinnati goes out and they lay an absolute egg against Alabama absolute in the egg. playoff. Um, now, ECU is different, right? Power five, I get that. But they've proven it's possible. But we have still have to remember who the kings of college football are right now. It's Alabama and Georgia. They are yeah. consistently finishing with the best recruiting classes in the country. Alabama has just finished signing the number one recruiting class in the country for the 10th time since 2011. What what year is it? 2023? It's almost every year. <laughs> like like every year except one or two. And the the highest rated highest rated recruiting class in Alabama history. Yeah. So they're not going anywhere. Georgia's not going anywhere. This is still the bar. Look at what it took for Ohio State. And keep in mind, Ohio State is consistently right behind Alabama and Georgia in recruiting rankings because Clemson is gone now. Clemson. Uh, so Ohio State, Ohio State has stayed there. Ohio State has stayed consistent but behind Alabama and Georgia. And look at what it took. And Ohio State still couldn't beat Georgia. Uh, you know, that's that's the part that, that uh, worries me for the future is it just takes so much, man. It takes everything you have to beat these teams. Um, look at what it took for Alabama even this year, right? Yeah. You know, the 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 last second kick against Tennessee on the road. 
the the two-point conversion in overtime on the road against LSU. That's what it takes to beat these teams. Bama will be back. Georgia will be back. They'll probably both be in the playoff next year. When it expands to 12 teams, you better believe they'll be in it every year because recruiting doesn't lie. I love college football. I love this game. I love watching all the stories develop all over the country, and I can't wait to see some of these other programs get a shot to have the feelings that I had uh, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium uh, last Saturday when I was watching Ohio State score those touchdowns. Yeah. But recruiting does not lie. Uh, and, and we still have a talent gap in college football. Ohio State's included in that. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's only about four or five schools that get 50 of the of top, you know, of, of the top 100. Yeah. Um, if you can follow that logic. I mean, it, these top players are still not being spread around. I'm not saying it's a bad thing or a good thing. Yeah, I'm just, just saying happened. it's reality. Yep. I'll say this. Um, you know, I have a couple props that I want to give and some bets that I actually going to give Please. out. Um, but I'll say this, you know, working in this industry and I spent you know, a good part of this week doing stuff for college football playoff, a college football championship, calling my dad, seeing what he's going to do for the championship. It was sad for Alabama not being in there. It's very seldom Alabama's not in the national championship game. So it was a little sad, but I, I know Alabama will be back. Um, you know, some issues to sort out at quarterback, but I think that Nick Saban is just recruiting at such a high level to where the pieces are going to fall where they're going to fall. Um, let me get into my player props. One last thing, though. One last thing, because I you just reminded me. How about next year? Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, and Clemson, who I include in that because they've been there. All new starting quarterbacks next year. I don't yeah. know if we've ever – even just the three, even just Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, I don't think we've had all three of them with it's crazy. quarterback. Uh, it's crazy. So that, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, I think uh, I think we'll see some fun things. and We'll see some some guys step up who we never heard of. Um, all right, cool. So let me get to my first play. Uh, Max Duggan, over 29 and a half rushing yards. Um, I think he's going to take the C.J. Stroud approach. Uh, Max Duggan knows this is his chance to win probably his only championship of his entire life. Um, he's going to put it all on their line. Um, Georgia doesn't get enough pressure for me to be too worried about sacks. This one's a little spicy. Brock Bowers under 66 and a half receiving yards. I'd play it to 62. No further than that. Um, they just not going to throw Brock Bowers enough targets. He, he gets a lot of short stuff, enough targets for him to hit this number. He's only gone over this number twice all season, twice in 16 games. And then Georgia team total over 37 and a half. I love this one. TCU is I like 51st that in defensive success rate, 47th in defensive net points per drive, 45th in defensive touchdown rate. That means they're allowing touchdowns on 25% of their opponent's drives. And Georgia has cleared this number nine times this season. One of the times they didn't clear this number, it landed straight on 35. So I'm going to count that as nine and a half. And then another one, they didn't hit it. They scored 33 points in the first three quarters against Sanford and didn't, didn't try the rest of the game. I think, I think that TCU is going to make this a, a dog fight, but I don't mean it's going to be a dog fight on the defensive end. I think TCU is just going to keep scoring. We're going to see a ton of points total set at 63. I wouldn't be surprised if both teams hit their overs. Love it. I'll be on all three of those. Good work, my man. Let's get this, it. This is it. Last game. Let, last game of the college football season. I could almost cry, but everyone, this is a celebration of college football. Be sure, wherever you're watching, wherever you're listening, smash the like and subscribe button. Best of luck.
Take care.